0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Chuck Ford and Relate Church in Byron, Mississippi. For more information, please visit relatechurch.com. Anyway, this is this is better, right? And uh better to be here than in jail. So, and I believe that that God is here with us this morning. He's got some things he wants to say, he wants to do. Hey, let me just uh, let you know this last last Sunday, Easter Sunday, uh, 29 people gave their heart to Jesus and so uh that's something worth celebrating, and for all of you who are serving on the Dream Team, thank you. All the glory goes to God. All the credit goes to you. Y'all worked hard, and we saw a lot of people come to Christ, so we're very excited about that. Hey, uh, uh, next week, we're beginning a, a, a series. How many of you remember uh, back some years ago? It's been a long time now. Y- y'all remember the, the bracelets, WWJD is what would Jesus do? Next week we're beginning a series called "What Would Jesus Undo?" Undo, because there's some things that I believe that He would undo, and there, of course there are things that He would do, but there's things that He would undo, and so we're going to spend a few weeks talking about what what Jesus would undo. And so it's going to be a, it's going to be a great series. It's going to help us a lot. And so today we're just taking a break. We got water baptism today, and and we'll do that at the end of the service. But I just had on my heart to. To teach a message on water baptism because this is this is what I know for sure that you know God doesn't give us instructions to do some things and they're and it just to be a ritual. There's supposed to be some power involved in it, and so we're going to go to the Word today and we're going to find out some things about water baptism. So you say, well, I've already been water baptized. Great, you're going to probably get a little bit more insight today and and be more power added to your life or. And so it's going to be more than a ritual. So I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, and also Matthew, the 28th chapter. And these are the two scriptures we'll mainly be looking at. 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, and also Matthew, the 28th chapter. So if you have your notes, you can take them out and follow along. It's not really notes. I just have some scripture references and some lines that you can write on. So. We don't have, like, points one, two, or three today, so if something just strikes you to write down, just write it down, and that'll be fine. So in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, I'm actually going to read uh, the first few verses in that chapter and then skip down to verse 12. But in verse 1, Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, he said, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you. Now, the gospel, how many of you know gospel means good news? Everybody say good news. news. Gospel means good news. So he said, I declare to you that gospel which I preached to you, which you also received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. So the the good news that I preached to you, it causes you to stand. How many of you want to stand in life? You don't want to fall. You want to stand and by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, Unless you believed in vain, verse three, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. How many of you know that 's important for us to know well, first of all, you have to admit that you have sinned. Romans says that we have all sinned we 've all fallen short of god 's standards, so you have to admit that you have sinned, but Christ died for our sins, so if you don't think that you 've sinned, well then how, how can you have faith in Christ dying for your sins. If you don't think you ever sinned. Thank you for your enthusiasm. So, so Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Verse 4. And he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Verse 12. Now if Christ is preached. That he has been raised from the dead. How do some, of you, some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead. Then Christ... Is not risen and if Christ is not risen then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty yes and we're found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise for if the dead do not rise then Christ is not risen and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Here, let me just bring out this a very important point. Unless you believe that Christ was raised from the dead, if you don't believe that, you're not saved. You can't be saved and not believe that. Now, you can—there's a lot of things you can believe that are good things. You can believe in God. How many of you know that's a great thing to believe in God? You can believe in God. You can believe in Jesus. You can believe that, that God is the creator. You can believe that God is good. You can believe that God is a miracle worker. You can believe that God is loving. You can believe that God is kind. But if you don't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, you're not saved. I mean, this is, this, is, uh, uh, this is bottom line, and this is, what, this is what the good news is all about, that Jesus died for our sins, but he was raised back to life. And so last week, we celebrated the fact, we, you know, last week was Resurrection Sunday, Easter, and we're celebrating that he was raised from the dead, but how many of you know that he's still raised from the dead? He's still, he's, he's still alive. Right? He's still alive. And so uh, it's important that we believe this. And the purpose of the resurrection was not for God. The purpose of the resurrection was for us. Because he was raised from the dead, we can also be raised to life. Right? And spiritually, physically, we can be raised to life as well. Now, you know, the only, the only person who needs to be raised to life is a person who's dead. Living people don't need to be raised to life. Amen. Amen. And so, um, this morning, I want to talk to you about the connection between the resurrection of Christ and baptism. And specifically, I want to talk to you about baptism and the power of a resurrected life. Baptism is, Water baptism is not just a ritual that we go through. It's not, it's not an empty religious ritual that we go through and we check off a list to say, "Woo, did that. How many more things you got for me, God? How many more things are on the list do I have to check off? That's not what water baptism is. As a matter of fact, God would not instruct us to do anything that was void of power and wouldn't benefit our life. So everything that, everything that he has instituted for us to do was to make a mark on us to affect you and I, to affect our life, not in the future only, but right now where we live. Amen. Not just for eternity, but for Monday mornings. Amen. And so it's important that we understand that. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, you don't need to turn there, but in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, man, just, well, i would tell you what, I'm going to go back a little bit further. And uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul is praying for the, the church, and in verse 19, he's praying that we would know, not, not just this mental agreement, not just this mental assent, not just agree. How many of you know there's... There's things that we agree with, but we're not experiencing those things, right? And so he's praying that we would know, and not just know like I, I, got, I, I got the fact in my mind, but that we would experience something, that it would be reality in our life, that it would be at work in our life. So he's praying, verse 19, that we would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us. His power toward who? Us according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So Paul's praying that we would know that we would experience this mighty power of God in our life, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that we would experience this same power not just know about this power, not just agree with this power, but that we would experience this power in our life. Now, how many of you want to experience that kind of power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead? We want that to be experiential in our life. We want it to benefit our life, not just for eternity, but for tomorrow. We want it to benefit our life. So he says that, you know, that he, he worked this in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Get this. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet. And he gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Chapter 2. Of course, Paul didn't write this letter in chapter and verse. He just continued. So he's talking about how God raised Jesus from the dead. He seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all the junk, far above all principality, power, might, dominion. That's where he seated Jesus. And then chapter 2, verse 1 says, and you. Everybody say, "and and me. And you, he made alive. He made alive. Who were dead... In trespasses and sins, in which, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Now, verse 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together. Everybody say together. together. He made us alive together with Christ and raised us up, where? Together. And made us sit where together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus and this is this is this is amazing because in God's mind in God's thought when he raised Jesus from the dead he also raised us from the dead not just physically but spiritually and we needed a resurrection why because we were dead in our trespasses and our sins we were dead but he made us alive together with Christ. And he raised us up together with Christ. And he made us sit together with Christ. Where? In the heavenly places. Where? Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. He, put, he, he raised us up. We needed a resurrection because we needed a better seat. We needed a better position. And so God gave us a better position in Christ. And he told us in Romans chapter 5 that we are to rule and reign as kings in this life. That means that we are to rule and reign over sickness and disease and sin and poverty. And we are to reign over it as kings. We are to be the masters of it. We are to be the boss of it. Are you listening? We're, we are to be the masters of it. So, and I want you to know, he seated us far above. You and I needed a resurrection. Why? We were dead. We needed a resurrection. Why? We were defeated. We, we needed a resurrection. Why? Because we were subordinate to the devil in everything that he has. And he says, look, I, I need to give you a better seat. I need to give you a place of authority. And so, he made us alive Together with him. He raised us up together with him. And he seated us together with him in the heavenly places. And that ought to stir you up a little bit because you see, God and, and I know because there's there's things that can belong to you and you not experience them. There's things that can belong to me and I and I may not be experiencing those things. They may not be affecting in my life. You know, every year they they come out with this list and you know it's the, you know some kind of lost property list or something, and so you can go and you can type your name into this search engine, and, and uh, it'll you know, and if some long-lost ancestor left you a million dollars, oh yeah, that million dollars's been sitting over here in this account for 10 years. And you've been, you've been living in poverty and can't pay your bills, can't pay your house note. And you say, well, I just don't have any money. But that's not the truth, is it? The truth is you had a million dollars you didn't know about. You're like, I wish. I know. I know. But, but the truth is you had something you didn't know about. And here's the thing. You, there's, there's things in God that all of us, we have that we don't know about. And if we don't know about them, they're not affecting our life. If we don't know about them, they're not benefiting our life. That's why it's so important that we study the Word of God. That's so important why we come to church. That's why God gave ministry gifts. That's why he sent teachers and preachers and pastors and apostles and prophets in the church. It's because we need to know some things. Because if you don't know some things, you can't, take the, you can't, you, you can't use the things. Right? So, if you've been born again... You have become a recipient of resurrection power. You have residing in you resurrection power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead has already been ministered to you. And is with you and is in you. And is indwelling you. And most of the time we, we, we don't have a clue. We don't have a clue that we've got, I mean, you know, we've got, this, we've got this dynamite on the inside of us. We've got this mighty, explosive, resurrection, life-giving power residing within us, and we're defeated like everybody else. Yeah. And it's not because we don't have it. It's because we don't know where the switch is. We don't know how to turn it on. We don't know how to activate it. You know, we got power flowing through this this building. If they were to kill all the lights right now, it would be dark in here. You say, man, power's gone out. We don't have any power. That's not true. You see, there's not a shortage of power. There's just a shortage of people that know where the switch is. It's a shortage of people that know how to turn the switch on. There's no shortage of resurrection power in your life if you've been born again. You've already become a recipient of it. You just need to know how to flip the switch. Amen? You need to know how to, you know, need to know how to flip, flip that switch. So, this this truth, this I mean, this awesome truth that you have become a recipient of resurrection power. It needs to just. It needs to work out of our, it needs to come out of just this realm of the spiritual and in agreement into our everyday practical life where it's having an effect upon our everyday life. It's having an effect upon your physical health. It's having an effect upon your finances. It's having an effect upon your marriage. It has an effect upon sickness and disease, how you interact with other people, how you minister to other people. It needs to have that kind of effect. Amen. And so uh there's there's things that God has instituted that if we approach these things from a from a standpoint other than a ritual and we really get the meaning behind it it'll have an immediate impact upon our life. How many of you want an immediate impact upon our life? And I don't know about you, I just don't, and and God's not into this too, just a big list of things to do that really doesn't make a difference. If God gives us something to do, if he institutes something, it's to make a difference in our life. And it's to make an immediate difference in our life. All right. So how many of you have ever, uh, maybe you can identify with Paul in Romans chapter 7. He's given this and you can hear the frustration. You know the things that I want to do, I can't do it, and things that I don't want to do, I end up doing that. And y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. And man, I, I want to do right, and but I see this, I see there's this this war going on. There's the law of of sin and death that's working in me, and I and I want to do right, but then I end up not doing right. And man, I don't get it, and I don't understand it. How do I keep messing up here? And who, and who will deliver me from this death? And then Romans chapter 8 2, 8, 2, he says, but there's another law. He said, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus will set you free from the law of sin and death. In other words, it'll destroy all that. And so we, we, need, we need this power working in us. So we got to know how to activate it. So how do we activate this kind of power? Okay, Matthew 28, Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and he spoke to them. This is right after he was raised from the dead and right before he ascended to be with the father. And he came and he spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and the Holy spirit. I want you to notice this connection. Notice the connection between being a disciple of Jesus and being baptized, some people treat baptism like it's no big deal, but you can't be a disciple of Jesus without being baptized. You say, huh? <laughs> I, I mean, I, that, I didn't write that. If you've got a Bible like mine, that's red letters. I mean, Jesus said that. You can't be a disciple, an ardent, passionate follower of Christ without being baptized. All right. We're just letting that sink in right there. Just letting it sink in. So he says, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. Now, this wasn't supposed to just be this ritual. How many of you know that Jesus got baptized? I mean, was that just an, I mean, John was baptizing people. When Jesus got baptized, was that just some kind of, Empty religious ritual that he was going through. Or there was there some power involved? We know that it was. It says because when Jesus came up out of the water after being baptized, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. I mean, some uh, some powerful, powerful things have happened around water baptism. Remember when Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ and the people were getting saved and and he took Stephen and and. Stephen was baptized in water when he came up Philip was just caught away. I mean, and he was found in a city 20 miles away I mean, how does that happen? How how can you be right here right now? And in three seconds later? You're 20 miles away So well, I don't believe all that well I guess we all gonna just follow you then Because you don't believe no it happened right and this 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 is around water baptism. Water baptism is powerful. It, it is it is something that's, that's very, very powerful. There's actual power released in water baptism. Now I just want I want to show you a couple of things in First Peter chapter three, verse twenty one. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, and I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. And the context of what Peter's saying is in the context of him talking about Noah and the flood. Y'all, y'all remember that story? Noah and the flood? Y'all remember the ark? You know, they, they're still trying to find which mountain the ark landed on and all that. But, you know, you know, Noah and the ark and the flood. And so that's what Peter's talking about. And he says in verse 21, Amplified says, and baptism. So he's talking about baptism in connection with Noah and the ark and the flood you see in the old testament there's there's what they call types types and shadows In other there's things that are done there's things that 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 happen and they're figurative they're types of something else that's going to happen in the future which is the anti type for instance you know they when when israel came out of egypt they were they were told to observe the passover and they were to take a lamb that was that without spot and without blemish, right? And they were, to, they were to sacrifice that lamb, and they were to eat it. Well, the Bible says in the New Testament that Christ, our Passover, is crucified for us. He was a lamb that was that without spot and blemish. So what they were observing was the type. Jesus is the antitype. Now, the flood was a type. Baptism is the antitype. Now notice this in verse 21. And baptism, which is a figure of their deliverance, does now also save you. Baptism saves you? All right, now get this. From inward questionings and fears, not by the removing of outward body filth or bathing, but by providing you with the answer of a good and clear conscience, inward cleanness and peace, Before God, because you are demonstrating what you believe to be yours. It's important what you believe is yours. It's important that what you believe about the resurrection. It's important what you believe. And and you're demonstrating what you believe is to be yours through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is all in connection with baptism. Now notice what he says baptism will do. He said it'll, it'll... it, it'll cause all those questionings. All the, you see when, when you get when you when you're born again, it affects your spirit. You become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. You're 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 able to stay, you're, You become the righteousness of God in Christ, meaning that you can stand before a holy God as though sin had never been committed. It means that you stand before Him perfect and complete and without one single fault. That is the condition of your spirit. You are holy. You're so holy that the Holy Spirit came to live in you. You understand? That is the condition of your spirit. But but that didn't necessarily have an effect on your soul, which is made up of your mind, your will, and emotions. You see, the spirit and soul are not the same. So when you get saved, it affects your spirit. But baptism affects your soul. The new birth affects your spirit. Water baptism affects your mind, your will, and emotions. Notice what, Paul, what, what Peter said. He said it's, uh, this baptism is not the, the removing of outward body filth. It's not just a natural physical thing but by providing you with the answer of a good and clear conscience. Now get this, inward cleanness and peace. Inward cleanness and peace. A clear conscience. A good and clear conscience. Inward peace. And all these questions, you see it it has an effect on your soul. Water baptism. And so there's actually... In water baptism, there's you see, this is this is one of the things that God has instituted. It's a switch. It activates power in our life. And this power in our life, it, it affects our soul where you think differently, where all the worries and the fears and the and the patterns and the habits. How many of you have been plagued by? A habit that you didn't like. Huh? You see, there's people that that they, 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 they said yes to Jesus. And they got stuck. They got stuck. And the reason they got stuck is because they didn't either go through the water. Or they went through the water and it was just a ritual. Now get this. Now Noah... I I went back and I read this last night, and and y'all know the story very well, that God looked down on on the earth, and he saw that just the intentions of of man's heart was just continually evil, and violence was was filling the earth, and and God said, I'm sorry that I even made man and put him on the earth. He said, so I'm going to start this thing over. I'm wiping everything out. He said, I'm going to wipe it all out. But Noah found grace in, in God's eyes. And so God told Noah, build an ark. He said, I'm going to flood this place. I'm, I'm getting rid of everything, but I'll save you because you, you, you're, you've been upright. You're righteous. So that's what the, the word calls Noah. He was righteous. And so we know what he did for 120 years. He, he, he was Telling people, flood's coming. He's building that ark for 120 years. Hey, that's a long time for a project, right? (laughs) And he's building that ark, and then it begins to rain. And everything, every unrighteous thing got left behind in the water. Unrighteousness was no longer able to affect righteousness. Noah was righteous every every ungodly every unrighteous thing was left behind in the water here's another example the children of Israel have been slaves in Egypt for 400 years Egypt is a type of sin and bondage and so the children of Israel have been slaves in in Egypt for 400 years long time and uh, God raised up Moses, Moses is a type of God, to be their deliverer, so we know this that Moses went to Pharaoh, let my people go Have y'all y'all seen Charleston Heston, you do do all this, let my people go and, and all the i mean you got the frogs and you got the locust, and you got the the river turning into blood, and you, you got all that stuff and 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 so Pharaoh wouldn 't let him go so finally, after a number of signs, he let him go and and then The Egyptian soldiers began to chase the Israelites and chased them to where? The Red Sea. Now what are we going to do? Well, God divided the sea. The children of Israel went through and then unrighteousness followed. But where where, where did unrighteousness come to rest? In the water. If you want deliverance in your soul, you got to go through the water. you got to go through the water. Are you listening to me? you got to go through the water because baptism will save you up here in your soul, in your mind, in your will, in your emotions. And so there's power that attends to it. And so we're getting ready to baptize some folks today. And... Uh, And hopefully for you, you've been baptized. It's a brand new meaning to you and you can appreciate it. Or maybe, maybe you were baptized at one time. You just did as a ritual and you're thinking, man, I probably ought to do that again. I probably ought to get baptized since I know a little something about it now. So I can expect something from it. Well, you can be, you can be baptized again. Matter of fact, you can be baptized today. You don't even have to wait. You say, well, yeah, but i didn't bring a change of clothes. We got a shirt for you. And we got a towel. And, and you can take the towel home and bring it back. He said, yeah, but I'll be a little bit wet. Well, that's not as, nearly about as uncomfortable as being a little bit stuck. Right? So you can be baptized today. Before we get to that part, look, I'm going to just ask for the next few minutes. I mean, it's only, we, we got... We got. We gonna get you out of here right on time. And before we leave, I'm just asking everybody just sit real still for a minute, because I know there's people in here. If, if you were to walk out in that parking lot today and all of a sudden your heart stopped and you died, you 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 wouldn't make heaven. You say, well, how do you know that? Because every service somebody comes in and they end up giving their heart to Jesus every single service. So that's that's how I know that. So let me just ask you a question. If if it were to happen that you walked out of this place today and suddenly your heart stopped, you died and went into eternity, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? And I think most of us we would like to think we're going to heaven, I mean because man the alternative doesn't sound too great so we we just we want to think that we'd go to heaven but you know you don't just get to heaven because you think you're gonna go there well I think I wish I hope well that's not how you get there is that right well pastor Chuck you know I, I believe in God I think I'll go to heaven I believe in God, I believe in Jesus I'm not an atheist but nowhere in this Bible nowhere in this Bible does it say that if you just believe that God exists if you believe that Jesus exists you'll go to heaven somebody needs to love you and respect you enough to tell you the whole truth Pastor Chuck I, I try real hard to be fair and and I try to do good things for people when I can. I, 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 you know, I try to do good works. And that's great, man. I think we all should do more of that. But nowhere in this book does it say that if you do enough good works, if the good in your life outweighs the bad in your life, will you go to heaven? It doesn't say it. Somebody needs to love you and respect you to, enough to tell you the truth. Pastor Chuck, i was just always told... My grandmama told me, honey, you just need to go to church. If you go to church, you'll be all right and you'll go to heaven. And I'm all for, obviously, I'm all for people coming to church, but just going to church isn't going to save you any more than standing in your garage is going to make you an automobile. If you're going to get to heaven, you're going to have to do it God's way. Jesus, who is God, said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus, who is God, said, you must be born again if you want to see the kingdom of God, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. You must be born again. That just simply means that you surrender all of your heart and all your life to him. You say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to give you everything. I want, to give you, I want to give you my whole heart and my life, and I want to follow you. And I know that can be a little bit scary. So, like, yeah, I don't know. What, what does that mean? I have to give up. Well, initially, you're not giving up anything. You're just taking him. And if you'll just take him and let him begin to take you on a journey and go through the water. Are you listening? And receive from him and receive of his power. He'll make you a success. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in here today and you say, I, I want to do that. I, I want to I give my whole heart and my whole life to Jesus. Look, I want to pray for you. And I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to walk up to the front. But just with an uplifted hand, you say, Pastor Chuck, please pray for me. I want to give Jesus my whole heart and my whole life. I'm going to count to three. That's you. Just lift your hand. Here we go. One, two, three three right now. Thank you. Hands all over the room. Good. Good. I see your hands. Very good. Good. All right, let's all pray this prayer out loud together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Amen. I thank you for Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, I receive you and I confess you as the Lord, the boss, of my life. From this day forward, with your help, I will obey you. I will follow you in everything. Amen.